Hi guys, this is Alana Terry. Thank you for joining us. This is a special episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Podcast. So this is our Torn Asunder After Show. It's going to have spoilers. So if you haven't finished listening to Torn Asunder, that's all of season three. You can go all the way back to the beginning, starting with chapter one. If you have listened to Torn Asunder, this is the after show where we're gonna go behind the scenes and I have a super good friend, to introduce to you guys, Jamie Hampton. We're going to be chatting together. So hi, Jamie. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for doing this. You're doing me a favor by being here. <laughs> so Jamie and I have been friends and prayer partners forever. Some of you might recognize her voice because Jamie and I co-host the uh, Praying Christian Women podcast. So if you're ever in the mood for some Christian nonfiction for women, join us at the Praying Christian Women podcast. But right now, we get to talk about fiction stuff. So let's dive in. Okay. Well, this was great. So I was on the fence for many years as to which Alana Terry novel was my favorite. And uh -huh. after rereading this, I think this one is my favorite. Uh -huh. I, the Whispers of Refuge series is definitely my favorite. Just, uh -huh. I think I'm not a, I don't read a lot of fiction other mm -hmm. than doing edits for you or, right. you know, and <laughs> so sometimes I love fiction. I love reading, mm -hmm. but I just don't lately. Like in the last few years, for whatever reason, I mostly read nonfiction. And I wonder if that's why I love it so much because, well, I guess we'll get into it later, but being, being podcast minded, you know, thinking about right. prayer all the time. I'm um, just the other day, or it was yesterday um, in our take 10 Tuesday thing where we do like a 10 minute prayer thing. We, it was prayers of supplication. And, and one of the ones that came to my mind was prayer for the persecuted church because yeah. of reading this book. It, totally inspired me and fired me up to be praying for the persecuted church. So I love it. I just, I love this whole series because it is so rooted in fact and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what's really going on behind the scenes. When you read these anecdotes of what people are going through, right? it's really what people are going through. A lot of this was inspired by your research. Right. Well, and I love... Church. I love that you kind of tied it into prayer because that really was my goal when I first started writing novels. It was like, I think I had two dreams and one was to raise, for lack of a better phrase, a buttload of money for Liberty in North Korea, which you know is an organization that I just love and absolutely support, and to encourage and inspire people to pray specifically for North Korea and kind of more in general for the persecuted church. And so it's really cool to, you know, Torn Asunder, I think was published in maybe 2014. I mean, we're talking, you know, five years or more. And I hadn't read it in years either. And I re-listened to it to get ready for this season of the Underbridge podcast. And for me, I, I love that it's your favorite, although it kind of hurts my heart because there are so many others. I'm like, oh, but you don't like, well, <laughs> it's like if I you came and told me that one of my children was your favorite. No, I have a favorite. Um, <laughs> I know the one that's your favorite. That's an, you know what, and that one is another one of my favorites. Are you you're talking about? Are we talking about flower swallow? Flower swallow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that actually, you know what, it might it might be tied. Okay. okay so did you wait, wait? I need to interrupt you. Did you see Wung in Torn Asunder? Oh, absolutely. My first question yeah, yeah. was, did you add him later, or did you write this book knowing that he would have a book? 
Okay, so for those of you who haven't read Flower Swallow, there's um, the little boy Wung, and Hannah mentions him a couple times because he's one of the flower swallows, which which is the name given to the street children that she took care of. So I think writing Torn Asunder, first of all, I had learned the term flower swallow and thought it was just beautifully poetic. So yes, I think at the time I wrote Torn Asunder, I knew that I was going to write a book called Flower Swallow about one of these like street urchins for lack of a better phrase and so i figured yeah i may as well give him a name in this one so that i can use you know use him later kind of as a callback but his story was not fleshed out at all like i had no idea what his personality was basically i just had a name and the fact that he was a flower swallow and that's funny because after you know, i think i read it maybe two two times prior to reading it to prepare for mm -hmm. this interview to mm -hmm. refresh my memory. And right. I didn't remember his name from those times. And I thought, did she go back and add his name? <laughs> because he mentions her by name in, in his right. book in yes. remembering back. Right. So of course I recognized her. And, yeah. But yeah, I just, I wondered that that's very cool. And that no, is what he's I, in there is a little Easter egg. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And I love the, um, what I love about this series is the, interconnection of all the characters and just kind of if you're like a whispers of refuge or even just an alana terry book fan and you've read a lot mm -hmm. the kennedy stern series has references and you know like yeah. at the very end not to spoiler spoiler but like at the very end of this book ian is referenced as yes you know, the journalist the, the redhead yep. journalist that popped mm -hmm. up and you know in the beginning you didn't know is this a good guy or a bad guy does he have good intentions or bad intentions mm -hmm. it was neat mm -hmm. i i really have loved putting some of the pieces together of different people throughout the different yeah there's lots of Easter eggs and there's actually, there's a tie-in. So if, if listeners haven't read the Kennedy Stern series, that's as of right now, probably the most popular series I have out. And Kennedy's parents are the ones running the secret seminary and things like that. So I came up with the idea of this missionary couple first. And then from there, I was like, oh, well, I knew eventually I wanted to write some books set in the States. So that's how that came about. And then, yeah, there's the Easter egg with the red-haired journalist who appears, I think, up until my romance novels, he appeared even if he wasn't named in all of my books. And so there's just like mentions of a journalist or mentions of, of something. So that's kind of fun. And then um, he has bigger roles in some of the other Whispers of Refuge North Korea books, but a and really fun one. his own book. He does. Yeah, yeah. The out of North Korea. Is is um, that considered Whispers of Refuge or is that because it takes place in Basically, Korea? you know, it's this is the hardest of the series to call a series, you know, because right. yeah, there's a lot of overlapping characters, but it's not like you watch a season of a TV show and then you go to season two and it's the exact same characters just right. a year later. Like, it's not really like that. So it's a little bit trickier, but yeah, technically it's one of the North Korea books, but um, yeah. yeah. So that's out of North Korea. Oh, so the other really fun Easter egg. I don't know, Jamie, if you've read many of the romances, but um, some, but not many. Okay, So let me give yeah. it like a, this is going to end up being like a, a triple spoiler. Actually, I think it's mentioned maybe in one of the Kennedy books, but Hannah and Simon, when they get to the States, they end up adopting the daughter of one of the um, women in yes. one of the romances. Yes, and I read, that was one of, okay, so the, 
Yeah. Don't ask I, me which one. No, no, I know I'm thinking back, but I'm like, that was one of my favorite books too. That was, mm, was that mm-hmm. the one that wasn't with Tiff, was it? With the, no, no, the, no. Cause she um, kept her baby. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was the women's of, name, but it's the one with Ricky. He's the kind of like bumbling. He's really awkward, but like in a really cute endearing way, he's totally yeah. like not the alpha male. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I loved that book too. Yeah, I have a lot of favorites. So, and I would say within each series, I have my favorite books too. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's hard to pick. So it is, you know, the thing with Torn Asunder, so I, it has a special place for me because I feel like some of my, this is going to sound weird for me as the author being the one to say, but I feel like Torn Asunder is disproportionately like, it's just, it's kind of one of these like hidden gems. It's not many people start Alana Terry by reading Torn Asunder, you know, like it's just, it's kind of tucked in there in the middle of the Mm -hmm. North Korea series. It's, and even the North Korea series in itself, like it's, for, for some series, like the Kennedy Stern series, you just start at book one and you just go, you know, and they, they read fast and it's just, you're in this world. Like the North Korea books, I, I don't expect that many readers read them like back to back to back to back to back because they're pretty heavy and I don't write them back to back. You know, like I, when I was still working on Kennedy, I could do like, I could write three Kennedy books a year and it didn't feel like that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. The North Korea books, it's like one every year and a half, you know, just they're heavier um, so I feel like Torn Asunder is kind of special to me because it's, it's, you know, like an impactful book with a lot of soul in it. And yet not many people find it. <laughs> well, I was wondering about that. Not, you know, not to dig into your, your like business side yeah, yeah. of things, but I was mm-hmm, wondering, mm-hmm. is this a big seller or is this kind of, no, you know? no, this is really like a very, very hidden one. Yeah. Um, well, which, I love it. I, I love yeah, it. Yeah, it was really fun for it. me to go back and re-listen to also. There was the part where, um, you know, so again, warning, we're, we're talking spoilers. We're going into this assuming listeners have read it, but the part where Moses reveals himself, I remember yes. I was re-listening to that and I was like, oh, like I knew it was coming obviously because I'm the one who wrote it, but it still kind of got me excited. I was listening. So I, I half listened, half read the book. So I listened okay. on the mm-hmm. podcast and then I, I half read it and just to, you know, over the course mm-hmm. of a week or two. And that chapter where it ended with I am Moses, yeah. you know, that <laughs> happened um, as I was like lying down, listening to it before bed. And that was uh-huh. like what I ended the night on. I'm like, oh. cliffhanger, even though I read the book, but I'm like, wow, what a cliffhanger. I had so. I had a lot of fun writing that and re um, re listening to that and Jamie I think you know this but listeners probably don't just the the degree of difficulty that I have writing Moses so Moses shows up in a couple other novels but he's just been really really an intimidating character and so it was fun for me to to go back and read Moses because my memories of Moses are memories of feeling very um like he stresses me out as a character but when I went back to listen to it I didn't sense that you know like just listening to it more as a reader it was like okay here's Moses he's you know got this double life he's you know a complex character and I didn't I didn't 
get as the reader or the listener just all of the drama that went into writing him, which was kind of cool because I think I had in my mind that since Moses was so hard for me personally, that he would almost be hard for readers or something like that. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. And oh, I hear coffee Can back you there. Hear? Let me pause and open the door real quick. Okay, hang on. La, la, la. Okay, so yeah, we just got a new puppy. So she's a, you know, it's funny because it used to work out perfectly that Jamie and I would do recordings like this for the praying Christian women on the same day that my youngest son goes to a homeschool co-op class. But now he's the one who's like most responsible for keeping the puppy entertained. <laughs> and so she doesn't know what to do with herself. That's too funny. She is really cute. Jesus, sweetie. Yes. Okay. Where back were we? to oh, Moses. Moses. Okay. Back to so Moses. When I, so this picture I have of Moses is like when I re-listened, I was a little surprised at first at how, even though I knew reading this, that mm -hmm. he was who he was, I was a little bit surprised at how he was able, I mean, still it was like Groundhog Day, like, whoa, how is he able to lead this double life and to do it mm -hmm. so um so convincingly like, so unemotionally almost even though you know that he has the emotion going into it but yeah and so it wasn't until he and hannah met and she was mm -hmm. kind of scared and then yeah. he like showed his compassion toward her a little bit right. and kind of like mm -hmm. softened the edges that i was like okay i can relax now he's he's who he really is you know but he is yeah. but you know, you've got the whole part where he, he basically sends, um, <laughs> here I am forgetting my own character's names. Is it soon? Is that the young man? Yes. You know, kind yes. of his underling, you know, he basically sends soon to his death and you know, you've got to, you've got to wonder, you know, is this okay? So let me tell you the, um, the story behind Moses. So I, <laughs> this is funny. I had to stop reading the voice of the martyrs newsletter, mm -hmm. not because it was like sad or depressing, beca but because it would get me so sidetracked because every single story I would be like, I want to turn this into a novel. <laughs> and so I remember years ago reading, um, I forget if it was a voice of the martyr newsletter, or it might've actually been a video they created about like North Korean, the underground church in North Korea, but they, they talked about this secret police. So basically Moses, but definitely not as high up, but you know, like a, a local policeman or something like that, who had, who was a Christian, but had to be a Christian in total secret so that not even other Christians in his town knew who he was. And it was kind of the same thing. Like he did it in hopes that, you know, every so often he could give people warnings or save some people. But he also knew that basically his brothers and sisters in Christ thought he was the enemy because they didn't know. Mm -hmm. And he had this just heartbreaking quote about how he couldn't wait for heaven, just knowing that then he, he could reveal himself. Mm -hmm. to, you know, to, to his family, you know, his brothers and sisters. And so that's kind of what got the idea of Moses going for me was like, I could never do what he does. And I'm not sure I could even justify what he does, but I'm also glad that there are some people who could, do you know what I mean? Like he mm -hmm. lives in such a murky world. He has lots of blood on his hands and yet his role is important for the church you know, and so I feel so conflicted. And I think that's why he was such an intimidating character to write mm -hmm. because like he scares me, someone who can be that detached and unemotional about things and yet still be a believer. Like that's, that's frightening. 
Well, and you bring up several really important open-ended questions through your characters. Mm -hmm. And one of them mm -hmm. is, is what he does right? Is it necessary? And, you know, a, a, along with other questions about like, well, is it right to lie when you're a missionary and mm -hmm. you're asked what you've been up to? You know, I mean, yeah. Hannah struggles with that. And, but mm -hmm. with, with uh, Moses, I, I think that the way that he is portrayed is like the, the fact that he, the reason that he's able to do what he does is because he is so eternity minded that when he actually basically kills uh, one of the, you know, uh, yes, Levi, Levi. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's kind of like, I just, I did it. I did have mercy on him. He's it, better off than any of us. Oh, yeah. He's Obviously, free with Jesus. The, yeah. If I'm being tortured to that degree, I would for sure see that as a mercy killing. But yeah. again, I would never be able to operate in in that sphere of things no and, and you could still honestly, debate was that murder oh, is sure. that right is that okay oh, in the I eyes know. of god or your you know i mean yeah sure, there are lots of those questions but in his mind he's looking like okay i can endure this like for him hell on earth really oh for sure being who he is mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. you know in his mind that people will ultimately you know the cause will yes. furthered and God's purposes. But yeah. They're, they're, but you know still what? the gray area. <laughs> oh, for sure. I think you might even be giving him more credit than he deserves just in terms of being eternity minded, because the other way to look at it is, I mean, he's doing a lot to save his own skin too. Do you know what I mean? Like that's true. Right. He, he's yeah. living a good life, smoking his cigars, <laughs> or cigarettes, cigarettes, <laughs> right? Sorry. Smoking his cigarettes, sitting back in his chair. Yeah. You know, I think that his character would be totally different if it weren't for the conversations that he has with soon where they they're able to speak a little more freely mm -hmm. <clears throat> like when they're outside when they're like free from the recording devices and things like that mm -hmm. i think that if it weren't for those conversations happening he would be more one-dimensional is my dog snoring what's going on is she growling <laughs> i don't hear that? i heard something is she in <laughs> your room right now kitty is the older one oh, i left kitty. a puppy with one of the okay. other boys but yeah anyway. no kitty's kitty might be snoring well, and I like how you compare um, Hannah and Moses. You know, they kind of are the two polar opposites. They both want to spread the gospel. They both want to serve the Lord. And Hannah goes into it very naively. You know, it's like, well, no, of course you shouldn't lie. No, of course I'm going to give my food to these little kids who don't have anything, even though that means I'm not going to have anything. You know, like she just, she goes into it very, very simply. Whereas, you know, Moses, yeah. you know, can't he'd be dead like decades ago if right. if he operated that way and i i don't know maybe because we live in such a sinful broken world i think the argument could be made that we need christians who are able to kind of take it from both sides but it's it's so hard because you get into such murky water you do and you know she goes into it with such a like almost stoic Christianity where she's oh, yeah. I mean, through the entire thing. She's like, God's going to be mad at me if I don't, yeah. you know, will God be upset with me for saving too. one granola bar or, yeah. you know, is God going to be, surely God won't be angry with me for, 
uh, oh, what was the other one? I got to go look in my notes because I wrote a couple of no, them. No, but, but I know what you mean. Like she, she does operate oh. some out of fear. Oh, do you have it in your notes? For the clandestine reading of the Song of Solomon. Oh, like she, yeah. she feels guilty because she reads Song of Solomon and is like, you know, mildly flushed about it. And she's like, I'd better not read that again until I'm married, you know? And it said, you know, uh, like just berating herself. Right. She does. Yeah. I felt sorry for her too. Or, you know, when she and Simon are separated and part of her is like, well, did God just get mad at me? Cause I loved him too much. And right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know what Simon himself talks about that kind of love is an idol that God yeah. would have to put aside. And so mm -hmm. they both have this. Now, when I read this for the third time or fourth time, whatever it was, mm -hmm. the first few times, and especially the first time I read it, I actually came away from it being like, Simon doesn't deserve her. She is, she's mm -hmm. way too spiritual for him. Almost not mm -hmm. like, you no, know, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And reading it this time, I don't know what changed. And maybe it, it was kind of a gradual changing through the other times I read it too. But I just, this time reading it, I was struck by pretty much one of the big themes of the book, which is never judge someone for not passing a test yeah. that you yourself have not had to take mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. or that you yourself have not had the opportunity to pass. And, you know, he, she never had to sit and watch him be tortured. That's true. He, he had to sit and watch her be toward he he loved her so much that he that was what made him break so quickly was That's that she was right there in front of him yeah, yeah. But as i read it this time i was like yeah. well wow simon i don't see him this time around as being less mm -hmm. strong or being weaker than right. her because i wonder if she had to sit and watch him have his you know Mm -hmm. fingernails pulled out one by one would she oh, yeah mm -hmm. have buckled i don't know i don't know but Anyway, I just, it's interesting reading it again that I had a much higher opinion of Simon and I was like, oh, totally. They, they both had their share of difficulties. They were mm -hmm. both strong in their own ways. In their own ways. Yeah. You know, his strength comes from just wanting to protect her. You know, that's yeah. what he puts above everything else. And for her, it's the mission, yeah. you know, above all else. So yeah, that also came about from a Voice of the Martyrs newsletter where, you know, I was reading about, I forget if they used the term secret seminary. I think it was a little different, like an underground seminary or something like that. But, you know, it's very similar North Korean refugees who escaped to China got training and then voluntarily returned to North Korea with the gospel. And, and one of the things that they talked about was how they were sent out one by one because mm -hmm. it was so dangerous. And, you know, the argument can be made. Yeah. If, if Simon hadn't followed Hannah, none of their, their troubles would have come upon them. You know, like that's, that's the entire reason why they were sent out one by one is because the, the Stearns or the people sending them out, you know, in the real world today know that they're going to do what they can to try to protect each other. But I just thought that was a horrible, horrible thing. You know, even Jesus sent his disciples out two by two and mm -hmm. just that sense of spiritual isolation and things. But I think it's hilarious. Your comment that like Simon doesn't deserve her, you know, cause she comes across as, as very much more spiritual, you know, Simon struggles. He breaks under the pressure of interrogation. He, 
breaks the rules like on day one of his mission by following her and going right. with her. But he is so loyal mm-hmm. and protective of her. And that's that's important too, for sure. It is. Another, um, well, kind of back to the prayer burden that I got out of this. The one thing that stuck out to me the most in this book that inspired me to pray for the persecuted church was there's this scene and oh, what is the character? Um, well, anyway, you'll remember maybe man or which one? in prison with Simon mm-hmm. where he says, um, I want Moses to be real because there's this question, does he exist or is right. it just a myth or, you know, right. um, and he said, I want him to be real because I want to know that someone on the outside sees my suffering and knows that I'm a real flesh and blood person. I don't even care mm-hmm. if I get released. I just want to know that I'm known and seen yeah. by someone on the outside. And that broke my heart because I know that mm-hmm. that's not a fictional sentiment. Oh, no, for it's sure. It's a fictional sentence, but that yes that mindset an actual feeling for anyone whether they're in prison whether they are a a christian living in a persecuted nation where they can't let their christianity be known yeah. or you know where there is a lack of of christian fellowship but just i want i want someone to to know that mm-hmm. that i'm seen you know and so i yeah. just that was my prayer is you know let let these people that are suffering or that are being persecuted or that are isolated in these places mm-hmm. know that they're known, know that they're seen, know that they're that. being yeah. prayed for mm-hmm. and that they are not alone, you know? That- yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, some of that idea came out of this like insanely vivid dream, like the most vivid dream I think I've ever had. And a lot of my passion for the persecuted church came because like when I was a teen and young adult, I would have nightmares about being persecuted for my faith. And as a total aside, that's just curious and interesting. I don't have those dreams anymore. I think they stopped like as soon as I wrote The Beloved Daughter, which was my first novel about persecution. Hmm. But I had this dream where I was some kind of like ambassador's wife and our country was taken over and I ended up kind of like a political prisoner. But I remember sobbing my heart out and it wasn't because I had lost my freedom. It wasn't because I was scared. It was because nobody knew where I was and nobody knew what was happening to me. And I woke up crying and my husband, you know, was trying to be like, hey, you're, you know, like you're asleep. You're, you know, he thought it was almost like to the degree of a night terror mm-hmm. or something. And for like 10 minutes, I kept telling him like, no, this is real. <laughs> and looking back, I'm like, okay, no, it wasn't real. But it felt so much like I was like put into someone else's consciousness and just, and I don't believe that happened on a spiritual level, but just in my mind, that's how real it felt. Mm-hmm. And that sense of nobody knows where I am. Nobody cares. It's, it's a heartbreaking, terrible, terrible feeling. Yeah. Well, another, um, another thing that kind of was an interesting topic that just didn't really get fleshed out, but just sort of like tip of the iceberg kind of thing, Uh um, was this idea that these Western missionaries who have never set foot in North Korea are, you know, there's, there's definitely a contrast between their life and the lives of Hannah and Simon and all of the secret missionaries, um, secret 
Secret seminary students. Seminary yeah. students, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, even in the beginning, they're talking about, wow, this whole year of eating all of uh, all of Mrs. Stern's home-cooked food didn't right. really prepare us for what we had to do. If only we had yeah. just, you know, come right from the famine into, mm-hmm. you know. And then, mm-hmm. you know, going back to the end where she, you know, Hannah comes to the door and Mrs. Stern is thinking about what to cook for dinner and right, their Scrabble right. game upstairs that's mm-hmm. unfinished, you know, and her daughter at college. Like, um, what what are your thoughts and kind of what are you, what conversations would you love yeah. people to be having about? This? I'm so glad you picked up on that and brought it up. So the Stearns, especially in Slave Again, which is the book that I wrote right before Torn Asunder that also deals with the Stearns and the refugees and the secret seminary and things. People came away from reading that and a lot of them like really disliked Mrs. Stern specifically because she comes across as just worldly and she's got this chocolate addiction and she just, she wastes her time fretting about her daughter who's, you know, tucked away safe at Harvard, which if you read the Kennedy books, you know, she's not safe at Harvard, right? But, you know, like a super privileged, privileged, privileged life. Um, I don't remember the details because it's been a while, but like, I believe Juliet like grew up as an ambassador's daughter overseas or something like she, she comes from privilege. And I think in a way, you could see them as, and this isn't how I see it, but I I get why some readers see them as kind of like, this is the worst of Christian American missionary life. Mm -hmm. Because you're living it up. You've got your big house in this gated expat community. You've got your, you know, Chinese housekeepers who are doing your bidding. And, you know, what are you doing all day other than baking brownies and sending your daughter emails when she's... Checking your email compulsively for your daughter's latest message. I I do believe that some people could look at them and kind of sit in judgment. And then that's where I go right back to Mr. Stone. Like, don't judge someone if you haven't been in their shoes. Don't judge someone who fails a test you haven't passed yet. Mm -hmm. You know, like I... So I think that I... I don't want to say I carry around guilt, but I am very aware of the fact that I am very privileged and blessed. And, and, you know, okay, if you look at me and the people in my neighborhood, we're sitting right at average. But if you look at, you know, the blessings that our family has comparative to everyone across the world, I'm, I'm certainly no better than Mrs. Stern playing Scrabble and eating chocolate all day. You know what I mean? And part of me wants to say, well, at least she's, at least she's out there, you know, at least she's, yeah. Training missionaries in China as opposed to. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of it is for me. Yeah. I know that there's a dichotomy. Like I've done a little bit of stuff on the mission field and and definitely got the sense of, okay, the missionaries are living at such a, a higher level than the people they're serving and it left kind of a bad taste in my mouth but then I thought about it I'm like well I'm not out there do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um so I think I don't have the answers for that I think it was just maybe my way of working it out on the page because I you know if if I were struggling every day if I were in constant fear of police coming in and deporting me or or anything even close to that i couldn't write the novels i write which i know are right. inspiring people and things so i i feel like i'm 
people could look at me with that same sense of judgment that they look at Mrs. Stern and be like, well, you know, who are you to, to try to be doing anything? <laughs> like your kids are healthy, your family's safe. I'm like, okay, my kids are healthy and my family's safe. That gives me the blessing of the time and mental space that it takes to, to write these novels. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I so, do. No, yeah. I, I think we need more of that grace in every aspect mm -hmm. of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's what I love about what I consider to be a huge theme. The, yeah. What are the exact words? Never judge a person, never judge someone. Who fails a test that you have yet to take. Okay. Or maybe that you have yet to pass. I forget. In, right. In but either alternate. way, yeah. Who fails a test that you have mm -hmm. yet to take or yet to pass. Um, yeah. But I think that should just, it's, it's like we, it, it's like a different version of, of don't judge someone unless you've walked a mile in their shoes, you know, and, and right. look at where, where God has placed you, mm -hmm. do what you have in front of you to the best of your ability. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think that goes both ways. I think that goes for not feeling guilty that you're not someone else or not mm -hmm. judging someone else. You know, I think you shouldn't oh, judge sure. yourself at, as harshly either. You need although, to extend grace to yourself too. You know, yeah. that's, that's how it was for me. Absolutely. With, you know, my husband and I met, our plans were actually to go overseas as missionaries mm -hmm. and we had medical complications that just kept that from happening. And I, I did struggle with guilt for years about that because it was, well, God, you know, I shouldn't be comfortable. I should be out there. And I think I'm learning, like I said, like if, if I was on the mission field and we were going through all these hardships and the culture shock and the day-to-day -day stress, you know, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now with these novels and things like that. So I think for me, it's just learning to embrace the times where life is good and peaceful and say, okay, well, how can I use this spot of, you know, peace and relative prosperity and mental energy to do things? How can I use that to focus on prayer and to serve God and to encourage others as opposed to just feeling guilty and mm -hmm. beating yourself up, you know? Well, I just, this, this novel that I would say that one of the most powerful parts of this novel for me was, and it, it impacted me the very most the first time that I read it. And this time I admit I was in a hurry. I wanted to finish the book. Uh -huh. And so I uh -huh. read through it more quickly, but I was so immersed in this part where, spoiler alert, Hannah is basically about to be executed. Yes. And there's this like, just like, I can hear the music playing in the background when mm -hmm. it becomes a movie, mm -hmm. you know, I can oh, hear I know. just the powerful... And you see like these things are unfolding. She's singing a hymn and she is at peace. She's mm -hmm. ready to be a martyr for the kingdom of God. And right. I was pulling for her to die. <laughs> I've heard that from other listeners too. But you know what? This is a really good spot to pause because um, actually I'm going to need to plug my computer in and things. And oh. I don't want to cut this short. So yes. let's call this a wrap for this episode of the behind the scenes. But let's yeah. do one more after show. Um, so if you're listening, it'll, it'll roll out in the next day or two. Let's do one more after show and we'll start there with that scene. Cause I don't want to, to rush through that. Cause I, I want right. to hear your thoughts. And I this is a cliffhanger guys. You got to come back now. <laughs> All right. So we will talk to you again very soon for part two of the torn asunder after show. Sounds good.